0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is straight out of London. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Once upon a time, there was this huge Irish boy band called Boy Zone. It was more of a man band. Think Maroon 5 meets One Direction. Anyways, one of the founding members, Mark Walton, was a pretty big freaking deal. He was the blonde one, he was the OG, and he was more than well off. And one day, when he was at the bank, he spotted this gorgeous brunette named Sabrina Quidere. And the rest was kind of history. They hit it off, and according to him, she was his world for the couple of years that they were together. Now, being his world doesn't mean that they didn't have problems. Obviously, being well-off meant that she lived the high life while she was with him. He rented her an apartment, gave her thousands of dollars a month, took her shopping the whole nine yards, and even entertained her dream of becoming a fashion designer. And even though she got pretty much everything that she ever wanted while she was with him, Mark said that she would go from being this sweet and soft-spoken girl to being loud and crazy over trivial things. One time during a shopping trip, something set her off, and she decided to scream in the middle of the streets about how Mark had no money. Said the shopping bags in her hands. The crazy had only just begun, though. On two separate occasions, Sabrina called the police on Mark. Once because she said he had photos of other women on his phone, you know, real emergency shit. And another time she called claiming that he was abusing their cat, the problem being that they didn't have a cat. But regardless of the nonsense, she was his world, and for whatever reason, he stayed. And then, boom, Out of nowhere, Sabrina gets pregnant. But right after the boom, came a poof. Three months into Sabrina's pregnancy, she ghosts him, totally falling off the face of the planet. And he was under the impression that she had lost the baby. So he just figured she left him and moved on to someone else, and he moved on too. That's until six months later. In the U.S., Virginia, to be exact, when she gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby boy and decided to call up Mark to let him know that he was a daddy. Obviously, he was confused, but according to him, she said that she wanted to surprise him. Okay, weird surprise, but Mark took it in stride and she moved back. He hired nannies to help her watch their son so she could continue her pursuit of fashion fame, but the nannies never lasted long. Sabrina would always fire them, saying they'd either stolen from her or that they were interested in Mark. Eventually, Mark was like, look, you've got to stop. These are good nannies. They're not trying to flirt with me. They're not stealing anything. You've got to calm down. But Sabrina did not calm down, and the pair split. He didn't leave her high and dry, though. He got her an apartment, the first floor of a 900,000 euro house, and paid the first few months of rent up front so that she wouldn't have to worry about anything. And while Sabrina clearly had some feelings left over for Mark, she decided to go back to her on-again, off-again teenage boyfriend, Owesem Maduni. He moved into her apartment, and before long, they too were pregnant, and surprise, it was another boy, and more than ever, Sabrina felt like she needed a nanny again. Lucky for her, in 2016, this sweet 21-year-old named Sophie Leonette had just come to London from France to work on her English and work as a nanny, and Sabrina spoke both French and English, so it was a perfect fit, and Sophie was really excited for the job. It was a live-in situation where Sophie would care for the two boys almost 24-7 and they would pay her accordingly. Well, kind of. According to Sabrina, who lived in half of a 900,000 euro house, she only paid Sophie 50 euros a week for taking care of two children every single day. That's roughly 214 euros a month. The average price of a nanny in the U.S. is $16 an hour. If Sophie wasn't working 24-7 and was only caring for the boys for 10 hours a day, at that rate, she should have been making $160 a day, not 50 euros a week. But Sophie was young and innocent and new to London, she didn't have a ton of real-world experience, and she was one of those people who felt like everyone was doing the best they could and were working from a good place in their heart. We know this isn't true. She had a place to live and she loved those boys more than she ever could have imagined that she would, and she was under the impression that Sabrina and Oesom couldn't afford to pay her any more than they did, so she just accepted it. However, that was just the first of many red flags. Friends of Sabrina's kind of watched the demise of what was left of her rationality and she took it all out on Sophie. One time, within the first year of working for Sabrina in Oesum, the Daily Mail reports that a friend of theirs came over and noticed Sophie, who seemed to almost default into a cowering pose. She was dressed in a way that covered almost her entire body, even though it was the middle of summer, and he could tell that she was grossly underweight. While he was there, he said Sabrina was abusive, aggressive, and violent towards Sophie, and even decided to confront her about it, but Sabrina excused her behavior because in her eyes it was Sophie's fault because she was lazy and didn't cook enough, as if cooking for Sabrina and her boyfriend was a part of her 50 euro a week job description. This friend was so concerned for Sophie and her appearance that he actually went back and gave her some food so he at least knew she had something to eat. And it's a good thing that he did because he wasn't the only person to notice her weight loss and know about the abuse going on. The Daily Mail also reported on a local fish and chip shop owner who used to have regular contact with Sophie and he said that she had told him Sabrina was beating her. When he asked why, she told him it was because butter had fallen out of the fridge. Sophie confided in him time and time again, and they developed a friendship, and whenever she would come by, he would give her free food to make sure she was eating, and according to him, she would eat the food as fast as she possibly could, like she hadn't eaten in days. On another occasion, yet another friend went over to Sabrina's house and said that she went into a total rage. She witnessed Sabrina knock Sophie to the floor during a barrage of yelling and had to step in between the two to keep her from literally kicking Sophie while she was down. And because she couldn't kick her, Sabrina tried to grab a chair and this friend had to wrestle it out of her hands. This friend actually wound up inviting Sophie over to her house one day and calling Sabrina to let her know that she'd bought Sophie a train ticket back to France, and Sabrina lost her shit. She showed up at this friend's house, pushed her way through the door, and demanded that Sophie get her stuff and go back home with her, and Sophie did. All Sophie wanted to do was go home, but she loved those boys, and she didn't have the money. She was getting paid in gum, after all. But the biggest hurdle was that Sabrina and Oisum wouldn't let her go. This working relationship had turned into a controlling and abusive relationship, where she felt like even though she was allowed to leave the house, she wasn't allowed to leave them. And the fear of what would happen to her or the boys if she did kept her from running. At one point, she wrote a note to the couple that read, I would like to speak about my returning to France. I have not even gone back a single time, neither for a weekend, nor a week during the holidays, nor the summer holidays, nor Christmas or New Year. It has been a long time. My family, my friends, my relatives, I miss them a lot, my friends most of all. They miss me a lot and don't stop demanding my return and are fed up hearing the same reply, which is, soon. But they didn't care. Sophie was theirs. So she waited and tried again. Her next note read, "'I wish to go home. I need a break. I miss my family, my friends, my family first and foremost. So please, I'm asking this for the last time. I want to go home. My mother told me that if you don't let me go, she was going to send the French embassy.' Knowing how badly Sophie wanted to go home, and knowing that she'd let her mother know at least somewhat about what had been going on at the apartment, the controls tightened. They took away all of Sophie's access to phones and the internet, and all she had left was sending letters to her family when she could sneak them out. In June of 2017, she wrote her father a letter that said, I have to say, sorry for the long wait without news. I no longer have internet access and do not have enough credit to phone France. I should have written this letter some time ago, but I've been very worried about what's happening here. There's a lot of tensions and I'm being accused of things that I would never dare to do. In short, suddenly I feel worried. But she assured her dad that she would be coming back soon. We'll accusations she was talking about were that she had stolen a diamond ring from Sabrina. Sabrina insisted that Sophie had stolen it, but Sophie hadn't stolen anything in her life. But the pressure was constant. Where's my ring? Just give me back my ring. I won't call the police if you just put it back where you found it. But Sophie didn't know what the hell she was supposed to do about a ring she knew nothing about. But again, as this story goes, that was the least crazy of the accusations that were about to spew out of Sabrina's mouth. Sophie was accused of plotting against her with her ex-boy band Baby Daddy Mark, who she said was controlling Sophie through black magic. She accused her of having sex with Mark, of being a pedophile, and even accused her of being a spy, regardless of the fact that Sabrina was a nobody and no one would ever give a single fuck enough to spy on her. In Sabrina's ever-present pattern of bringing police into the middle of absolute bullshit, she walked Sophie into the police station one day and told her to admit to everything that she'd done. She wanted Sophie to admit that she had taken a child to her ex so that he could sexually abuse the child. The police caught on pretty quickly that something was off, so they separated the two and questioned Sophie apart from Sabrina. And when they did, Sophie told them that none of what Sabrina was telling them was true and the police believed her. Sabrina asked to speak to a supervisor and the officer asked why, if she believed everything she was telling them was true, why was she still employing Sophie as her nanny to take care of her children? She didn't seem to have an answer. In fact, it seemed like just bringing Sophie to the station pleased her, and the two left together, and according to the Daily Mail, the officers noted that Sabrina seemed pretty happy when they left. Sophie was less than happy though, as you can imagine. She was reaching the end of her rope that had frankly been stretched as thin as it could be at this point, and she was hanging on to a thread. According to The Guardian, she was able to leave the Hell House for a couple of days in September of 2017 and stay with some local nanny friends, and she told them that she was just done. She was ready to go home, she'd taken everything she could handle, and she needed out. She asked her mom for 40 euros to help cover her train ticket back to France, which should have gotten there on September 18th, and she was excited to be able to get home in time to celebrate her sister's birthday, but... The 18th came and went, and Sophie never showed. On September 20th, 2017, around 6.30 p.m., a neighbor of Sabrina's and oesum has got tired of the bonfire they had going on in their backyard. It smelled horrible, and it had been burning for three hours now, and they just couldn't handle it anymore, so they called 999, which is the London equivalent of 911. Tristan Kirk of the London Evening Standard reports that firefighters responded to the house and walked to the backyard to find Oisum at the house alone barbecuing chicken on the grill with this heinous-smelling bonfire going on on the other side of the yard, really, really close to the house. Oisum told them that he'd put it out himself, but they told him that it was their responsibility since it was starting to cause damage to the structure. It didn't take much water to put it out, and when they did, they used one of those little fire poker things to lift and sift the debris to make sure all the embers were extinguished. And when they did, one firefighter noticed something horrific, but he wanted to keep it to himself, knowing what kind of person it would take to do what he had just found. As he sifted through the debris, the firefighter noticed fingers. It took him back, so he had to tell himself, okay, 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 think about the human body, now map it out. And as he did, he noticed exposed bone, human tissue, and a nose. He waited for the other firefighters to walk away before confronting Oesim about what he'd found and flat out asked him, why are you burning a body? Dude did not beat around the bush. Oesum wasted no time. He didn't skip a single fucking beat and told the firefighter, oh, I'm just cooking the sheep that I got from the market. Sure, you're cooking chicken on the grill and a sheep under some rubble, clothes, and jewelry close enough to your house to burn it. The firefighter called him on his bullshit and said that when he did, Owiesem almost took on a look of defeat like, okay, the jig is up. The police were immediately called to the scene, and the entire house was taped off and swarmed with investigators. They removed the unrecognizable body from the fire and sent it to the medical examiner's office, fully thinking it was the body of a child because of how small it was. But it wasn't a child. The small body found burning in the backyard of Sabrina and Owiesem's first-floor luxury apartment belonged to their emaciated 21-year-old nanny, Sophie Leonette. And while I'd love to tell you everything that happened in the days that led up to her murder, it would take another full episode. Tune in next week to find out exactly what happened in the days leading up to and after Sophie's death, what they did to her, where they put her body, and everything she went through in between. If you thought this week showed you the level of crazy that went on in Sabrina and Owiesem's house, you have no idea. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Sophie's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about the insanity that is this case. If you like your podcasts ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash crime, or for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you part two of this case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.